Well, thank you so much for taking this time out, Mr. Azrin. I'm so grateful. All good. Happy to be here. Awesome. All righty. So I'm just going to ask you just a, a few questions and, and for our audience, because we are about a global mindset. And I think sometimes people fail to realize that culture and language are, they're all wrapped up into one. And so, um, you seem to be extremely well-traveled. I follow you on your platforms, especially YouTube, which I absolutely love. And so, but I want my audience to know, tell me who is Azarin? So, uh, yeah, so I live in Canada. I'm born and raised here. My family's from India. Um, and actually, that's not 100% true. Ruth <laughs> from India, but, but, they haven't, but people haven't been born in India for a while, so my dad's side is born in fiji the roots are from southern india mom's side is born in, in uganda the roots are again from more northern northern india and now most of the family is is now in canada so, so now with your ancestors uh being from uganda um are you do you speak swahili by any chance do you have just a little bit of swinging of swahili or not really because we're pretty indian <laughs> we're quite Indian, despite them, despite my grandparents being born and raised in, in in Uganda. Like we're quite, we're quite Indian. There are certain words that we use when we speak in Gujarati, which is the the language that my my family speaks. There are certain words that we say in Swahili. Uh huh. Now, what's interesting though is that when you look at now, I'm not an expert on this topic, but from my understanding, when you look at Uganda and their linguistic situation they ne they were they've never really been a country that's that has where swahili has been widespread or mm -hmm. that language of the country to my okay. knowledge it is not the case mm -hmm. okay unlike some of its other neighboring countries so now with your background do you also speak uh punjabi and hindi no not okay. no i i speak gujarati um, it's weird for, to have someone who only speaks Gujarati and not Hindi. That's not common, actually. Okay. Okay. Um, usually, people speak Gujarati and Hindi because when you're in India, if you if you're born and raised in Gujarat, you're, you'll obviously speak Gujarati because that's the language of that of that region. But um, it's those people. They usually, actually, always. If let's say always, maybe usually, maybe there's a couple odd people who don't, but generally they speak Hindi as well because the media is in Hindi. In schools, they 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 learn Hindi. They, they, if they go to a different region in India, Hindi's kind of needed, not to mention Gujarati and, and, uh, and Hindi are very similar. All the mm -hmm. Bollywood movies tend, you know, there are regional films and, and movies that are in Gujarati, <laughs> whatever the language is, but, um, a lot of the, the top Bollywood movies tend to be in Hindi, so. Mm -hmm. It just depends. Awesome. Um, yeah. With your background with languages now because some people think especially here in north america they just consider well you know if you know one it's easy which i i have to say i tend to somewhat believe that but it's still it's still a sheer effort so tell me about some of your challenges with language learning and how you overcome them because you're a polyglot at this point for sure so I think for me, some of the big, so some of the, the, the hardest thing, that's a good question. I think for Gujarati, for example, the, the biggest challenge is lack of infrastructure for learning. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
what I mean by that is for every other language I have learned or I currently am learning, I can find classes, I can find university programs, I can find study abroad programs, I can go to the country and do things there, I can find videos on YouTube, I can find um, textbooks if I ever needed it. There's lots of, there are lots of resources and let's use the word infrastructure. I think it's infrastructure. Right. Where you could enter an infrastructure and achieve a certain level of fluency through that particular class, school, or program. Mm -hmm. Gujarati people's are not quite as common. It's a okay. little much more difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, seeing as it's not, I suppose, as popular of a language to learn as, for instance, French or Spanish or English uh -huh. or things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So that's a challenge. I haven't fully overcome it, to be honest. I think <laughs> uh, some of the things that I had, some of the things that I did to overcome were, and they worked, mm -hmm. would have been still looking for those resources. Just because uh -huh. they're less, it doesn't mean they're not existent. Just okay. because it doesn't mean they're zero. Mm -hmm. And so I went to India. I talked to my family in India. So we talked to them. They helped me find a tutor. I then hired them for 36 hours a week of mm -hmm. classes. And we just had classes six hours a day, six days a week. Okay. Okay. And so we had three hours in the morning. I'd come, I, I, they came to the house. They'd come over. We have three mm -hmm. hours in the morning. I'd go upstairs, eat lunch, I'll go back downstairs, three hours more class. I would do some homework. It was just very, very intensive. So that wow. a bit of infrastructure, like a, a framework. Okay. So it's still possible. It just means it's a little bit harder to find and it takes a little bit more time to, to find those those things. That's probably been one of the most recent challenges. Okay. Now, do you still follow that same language learning structure right now? Or how have you honed in, you know, modifying that infrastructure? Because I know I get up in the morning. Um, I am more of a morning person for language learning, but I've noticed I can also do that in the evenings after like maybe a nap. So do you follow, do you have a specific schedule now? Has that changed? So let's start with Gujarati. For Gujarati, I don't do any study. I do virtually nothing, virtually nothing because there's no, in, there's no infrastructure that I've established here in Calgary. Mm -hmm. There's certain ones that don't work for me that I tend to, they work temporarily and I know they work temporarily. Then I don't, they stop doing them or they don't, they don't want to do them anymore or so for example, taking private classes is never something that lasts for the long term for me. I take lots of private classes, but they're always in bursts. Okay. I'll take them, then I stop. And I still enjoy taking them, but I usually know in advance that I'm probably gonna stick with it for a month or two and it's not gonna be something long term. And I just take advantage of that month or two. Okay. Um, but I don't have anything per se in Calgary right now for Gujarati. For other languages, so Mandarin, for example, I've, that's probably the primary focus of my attention nowadays. Awesome. Um, there's a Mandarin program offered at the local university in my city. Mm -hmm. So I basically am I'm, I'm enrolled in their Mandarin program, in their East Asian language program, I should say. Uh -huh. uh, that's the name of the department, but there's a concentration in Mandarin. So almost everything I take is a Mandarin uh, Mandarin class essentially language class or literature class things of that nature mm -hmm. i only take one class a semester so okay. I, it'll, it'll take me forever to actually finish <laughs> the program but that's not the point the Absolutely. point is that there's a class if i don't go they will kick me out mm -hmm. i have to maintain certain grades i'm a little bit i will be a little bit i'm a little bit competitive as well so i'll see other people succeeding and i'll want to succeed in the class so Absolutely. that'll make me go it'll make me study and even if i get a c in the class me to earn that C was way more than I would have done if I didn't take the class. So that's what I'm doing for Mandarin. The biggest thing I do. 
Okay. So you pretty much really stick to a very regimented type of structure when it comes to your language learning. For the most part, yes. Um, it's either, it tends to be, that's a good question. I think so. That's, that sounds, that sounds about right, but there's a small caveat. I think there are, there are certain people who are very regimented in the sense that they are self-motivated. Like they come home, they do their program at 7 p.m. and they're very self-driven. My structures tend to come from the things around me. And so sometimes those structures change because that infrastructure changed. So a great mm -hmm. example is, um, a great example would be Mandarin as well. So one thing that I do as well is every single week, I run a Mandarin conversation group. Oh, awesome. And and because that now it's become it's part of the routine that's a thing that's that's there okay. uh, for example if next here's a great example of next semester if the mandarin classes offered really clash with my work schedule i probably mm -hmm. won't be able to take any classes okay. in which case i'll probably not be studying mandarin very much unless i happen to find another external structure whether it's classes whether it's maybe i even meet a girl and i have a girlfriend now i have a real <laughs> reason like oh that's <laughs> that point now I need to learn it. Like you don't know, right? Like I need an ex. I usually almost always I need something outside of myself. Okay. To to give me a good reason to actually either a good reason to learn the language, aka a girlfriend, for example. Okay. Or it gives me a certain level of accountability, aka classes at the university. Okay. <laughs> well, that's definitely having a female friend or female companion is definitely a, a type of accountability there. For sure. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so do you believe in these um, new what they call methods and, and today's world, we call them hacks. So I know that there's a method called laddering, which you use a foreign language to learn another language. Do you believe in these type of hacks? Um, because I'm more traditional and structured when it comes to language learning. I see that you have some regimented aspects depending on environment. So what, are, what is your take on that? Yeah, if it works for you, do it. <laughs> that, do well, that's it. definitely simple. <laughs> Try it for a month. If you don't like it, stop. <laughs> Try for two months. You don't like it, adjust it, change it. If it's working, great. If it's not, don't do it. Now, when you have your students, because uh, I understand you have a learning school, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. So, do you have students who approach you that have some type of anxiety in reference to language learning? Because people think that there's this, this immaculate or some spiritual gene that comes with language learners. Yeah. My thing is you have to learn it. So it's how do you get them to relax and say, this is what we're going to do? Uh, I tell them this is what we're going to do. <laughs> um, and I say, today we're focusing on this. They feel how they feel. I share my perspective. And if they don't believe me, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I can't I can't force someone to feel a certain way. All I can do is share what I think is true mm -hmm. and then they're going to do what they want to do with it and and then they're going to move on and they're going to make whatever decision they want to make. I'll just share what I believe is true and then they're going to share what they believe is true and then and if they can't get over it, I mean well what can I do? I can give them I can help them think of some strategies that 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 tend to work or I can help them problem solve it. We can we can there's a lot of things we can do but you know, at the same time, at the end of the day, if I see someone two hours a week, they're spending how many hours are there in a week? 24 times seven. What is that? Uh -huh. Like close to 175 ish, something like that. Yes. Uh -huh. something like that, 170 something hours. Um, yes. 
So you know that it's time out of the you have to put in hours, that work. Like, sorry? You've got to put in that work, basically. Um, yeah, it could be the work or it could be... Sometimes, yeah, if they want to get over that anxiety, they got to put in... They got to take the effort to do so. Um, and then some people, it's not... So there's a, there's a lot to unpack here. Some people don't have an extreme anxiety. It's just kind of a minor thing. And so uh -huh. why should they put extreme work into it? It doesn't matter. It's like they feel nervous, but it's like a normal amount of nerves. Mm -hmm. Why should they not be nervous at all? Some people have crippling anxiety, but that's not very common. That's not very common at all. Some people mm -hmm. feel not too nervous, which is great. So I think if you feel a certain level of nerves, do you have to uh -huh. really work on that? Maybe not. That's pretty normal. Mm -hmm. Like if someone said to me, okay, oh my God, I get so scared when I talk to native speakers, but you're a beginner. Well, of course you feel scared. I mean, everyone's going to feel scared. It's, some people won't, but I do too. Like, I mean, of course you're like, what am I going to tell you? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you probably shouldn't put yourself in a lot of situations like that then if you're not mm -hmm. ready. What else can I say? Mm -hmm. Now, when you, since you are adding more languages to your plate, mm -hmm. and I know that you travel, Mm -hmm. um, do you normally wait till you're somewhat proficient before you travel to another country to practice or you just totally emerge, just go with what you got and just go from there? Um, I've done a bit of both. So I'll, I'll walk you through some different trips. I've done different, I've done it different ways, different times. And there's been different experiences and different outcomes each time, depending on how I've done it. Okay. The very first time I did it was when I was 15. I was forced. I didn't want to do it, but I was forced by my mom. Okay. And I went to France. And I had a reasonably strong level of French prior to going. I'd done all of my education in French uh, at that point, or almost most of my education in French. So I was reasonably strong. I would probably say somewhere between a B1 and a B2. Okay. If I had to take a, if I had to take a guess, I don't fully remember because it was 13 years ago or 12, 13 years ago. But regardless, reasonably strong. Mm -hmm. um, and when I came back, shortly after returning, I went and wrote a B2 exam and I passed without extreme difficulty. So that's a pretty good thing. Three months in the country. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. That's really good. That's amazing. <laughs> right. So I, so I was probably, I was probably like a B1.7 if I had to mm -hmm. guess or B1.5, mm -hmm. you know, and then, or B1.8 to like kind of B1 plus, I guess we could call it. And when I came back, after a little bit of, not immediately, but shortly after coming back, I don't remember the exact timeline, but shortly after, maybe a year after, something like that, I went and wrote my B2 exam. When I was 17, I went to Peru. Um, I was a very, I was very beginner in Spanish. Uh -huh. And I did a one, one or, as one or two weeks of intensive classes while I was there. And then I did a, just a tour as well, where I practiced with a guy, things of that nature. That helped a lot as well. But I definitely, I was not like fluent after a month. Like it was not a huge, it was not, yeah, it was not like, oh my God, now I'm super amazing after a month. Mm -hmm. I continued. So basically there, I think the biggest things that helped me were I got a good grasp on a lot of pronunciation things. I learned a lot of vocabulary. I mean, it's just like learning, just standard learning. Think of just taking classes, but more intense. Mm -hmm. um, so... So it was intense for you, and would you say everybody should start with the alphabet at least first? Because I think so, but everybody's different. I think generally speaking, yes. Having a good understanding of the, the sounds of the language is a good idea. Generally, yes. 
that's that that's right there, there will be outliers there'll be exceptions to that but for the majority of people yeah you should have a you should have <laughs> some concept of the of the sounds of the language you don't need to be perfect mm-hmm. i think that's where i might be a little different i don't really think you need to be you know i think of certain people i've met or talked to or read about who might think you should really put a heavy focus on pronunciation first which is fine i think there's nothing wrong with it i don't think everyone has to put a heavy focus but everyone should have some fundamental knowledge of in my perspective most people should have a fundamental knowledge of the sounds of the language early on hmm. okay that's a lot to take in and you are definitely doing what asrin the language nerd is absolutely doing and you're doing some amazing stuff so what's next for asrin Um what's next? Keep going with so language wise, keep going with Mandarin. Um keep chipping away. Uh I will move on to Gujarati at some point when there's an opportunity that I see that comes up where I can that creates a structure around it for me. Right now there's not the only thing I can see right now to create structures if I start teaching it, that'll force me to learn. Mhm. Cuz then someone's relying on me to teach them. So then I have to have be on my game. That's the only thing I see that could right now Um non-language wise to work wise just keep finding more students keep growing slowly but surely chip away That's awesome awesome Yeah Well you have been absolutely amazing and tell us where we can find you at @polyglotazrin or azrin the language nerd that's spelled a z or z depending on your country r e n All righty and we can find you on YouTube and Anchor is that right anywhere any any network that exists I'm there so twitter wow. facebook tiktok instagram facebook snapchat podcast podcasts uh youtube whatever exists I'm there that is awesome asrin as always you are amazing we just love you out here in the language space and you keep doing what you're doing why <laughs> thank you Well, we love you here at Global Dynamic and we will talk to you soon. See you.